0: Underground, today we are interviewing Becca Patton. Becca is a campus minister at the University of Evansville in Indiana, and in this role she engages and disciples students to become confident carriers of the gospel through outreaches, discipleship training, leadership development, and ownership of Christ's kingdom vision. Becca's calling is to make disciples of Jesus that impact their campus, community, and the nations. This isn't your normal campus ministry. Becca and her team have a desire to implement disciple-making movement principles with university students who will then take the gospel to the last, the least, and the lost. She is doing incredible work on the University of Evansville campus, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get into it. Let's do this real quick. So I told you how I know Corey. How do the two of you know each other, but not from Corey's perspective?
1: Yeah, so I guess I got first connected to Corey through a mutual friend uh, who was in campus ministry at the time, a guy named Pete Coco, um, and a, it was through this.
0: That's an amazing name. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but not I
1: know, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, it was through the Accelerate Network, um, and so Pete Coco was uh, a part of the kind of core team of that. Uh, representing university campuses um, and movements on university campuses. And so um, he got Corey and I connected through that. And that's how we started chatting. And then I started getting involved with the Accelerate stuff. And Pete stepped back from his role and involvement. And Joe and Corey and the team asked me to step on. So
0: that's excellent. So give us a little bit more background of where you are, what you do. You said you're in Evansville, Indiana. So yes, I made so I, that part easy. Let's just go from what do you do in Evansville, Indiana?
1: Yeah. So I am a campus minister and I work for a campus ministry uh, at the University of Evansville, which got its uh, claim to fame for beating UK this past yeah. season, the, the short season that it was. Um, so um, yeah, so I um, work in campus ministry. The University of Evansville is a small um, private liberal arts school um, about 2,200 students or so on campus. Um, we, there's another university in town, the State University called the University of Southern Indiana and we have the campus ministry on that uh, campus as well. Uh, my team, uh, we're, there are five of us um, on the team, uh, me and another coworker who's the lead campus minister at UE and then another team at USI but we very much function as one staff. Um, And so I um, have been in campus ministry on staff uh, for nine years now. Um, This is year nine. And um, I was super involved as a student. And it was when I was a student, uh, God really captured my heart for this vision of discipleship and mobilizing Christians to reach the nations. Um, And so even though it was not planned, ministry was not, but my like 10 year or five year or even two year plan at the time, like involved, that's what. God opened up a door for, so I said yes, and it's been lots of yeses since then, and here I am. So um, we, as a ministry, uh, were first exposed and started learning about DMM since uh, uh, about 2013-ish. I feel like that's like the golden year, from what I feel like, (laughs) as I talk to people, is when everyone started learning about DMM stuff, and uh, really were trained in 2014, and have been trying to implement some DMM practices and vision in students since then
2: nice yeah so that's maybe that's a solid transition here just talking about what we've been in the last few weeks um kind of this overarching umbrella of what we've been calling um mindset momentum and movement like so we've been trying to just like wrap our minds around like okay what does it mean to kind of have movement mindset like begin to to think and wrap our minds around these practices of of just contagious like disciple making and church planning. Right. Mm-hmm. So we thought about mindsets, talking about momentum, where I think a lot of us are in the states of like, okay, we've been implementing this for a handful of years. We've been failing in this direction, but while we've been doing that, we're starting to see fruit. And then someday, man, we wanna we're gonna see full on movement in the states. It's just it's just gonna happen, right? And so I think I'd love to hear Becca from you like what are what are a couple of those kind of like mindset shifts that you've kind of made like what got you into thinking all right I want to I want to release the gospel and multiply as opposed to maybe what you were doing before
1: Yeah um I think that um one step was that um in college was when I really started as I was reading scripture and in as I was growing as a disciple I re- began to realize that all people every single person is called to be a disciple maker that part of following jesus means that we are carriers of the gospel wherever we go and so uh, that was probably the first and probably maybe yeah first mindset that shifted for me mm-hmm. was that everyone is called to be a disciple maker everyone as a christian is a part of advancing the kingdom of god and taking it to the last the least and the lost um and so um as i made that shift. I wanted to figure out how to help other believers, especially in the ministry and college students catch that vision. Another shift was realizing that God cares for all the nations, um, that it wasn't just about, um, me and my city or in my church community or whatever. It was about God cares for people that have not yet have access to the gospel or don't yet have access to the gospel. And he really wants them to know him. Um, and so we've, we've really got a, uh, let that vision of God's heart for the nations drive and fuel what mission just missions in general and what it looks like. Um, I would say more like DMM related, um, specifically as I've as been uh, trained more is or I've been trying to live this out more is um, a practice of, well, first, like just growing and listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, this idea and concept that we see in Scripture and in, in the Gospels where Jesus only said what he heard from the Father and only did what he heard the Father do. Um, and so he has to be a really good listener in order to be able to know how to how to do that. And so that's been something just over the past few years of, as I've tried to see and equip people uh, to multiply is... Uh, Uh, to grow in listening, not just for the sake of, well, well, one, for their own relationship with Jesus and going deep and then also to be mobilized and sent because the Holy spirit is on mission also.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really good. I was actually, sorry to cut you off there. I was having a conversation the other day um, with some, one of the missionaries in underground and uh, she was recently reading the book experiencing God. And experiencing God is language that I don't know how long ago that was written. Twenty years ago, Mm-mm, Um no, even longer, longer than, than that. that. Yeah, um, and I've never read it. It's been on my shelf uh, for uh, probably twenty years. You know, so that, that makes sense. Um, but just just this concept of like, okay, it's really God is on the move before us. Like we're joining the work of God, um, and that although that language she has heard that a bunch of times within Underground, it just clicked. Right. It's like all this pressure was taken off of her to succeed or to 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 do everything right. Um, and I just like I'd love to, to hear you unpack kind of your journey with that, like as as a disciple maker yourself and a leader of disciple makers. Like what is it? What is that concept of like hearing from the Holy Spirit, joining him in his work? Like what
1: does that look like on the ground for you guys? There's, there's two parts to that there's the formational side of it right in our own relationships and then there's the missional side of it. Um, and so you know with working with college students they they are incredibly anxious and um, you know um, very uh, depression is, is very very strongly present in, in them um, and they're overachievers just there's a culture of performance and perfectionism and so one of the things with students even, before they can really um, as, as a disciple maker in order for them not to just become a disciple maker that is a performer or a perfectionist which is already their mo they have to understand what it means to be a child of God mm-hmm. and, and to rest and receive from the father um, that the father's voice is gentle and kind and it, it is reflective of the fruits of the spirit um, that he never condemns you know that that um, He um, speaks about the present. Um, He um, convicts in order to bring freedom, not condemnation in order to feel trapped. Um, That has been really, really significant in uh, walking specifically with college students and trying to help them grow um, so that as they are mobilized as disciple makers, they are are mobilized in freedom and not in any kind of like... um, performance or anything like that, um, but that the vision is about Jesus and, um, in him just like being like abide, like it's the full abiding in, in Jesus and you'll bear fruit kind of thing. So just Mm -hmm. the, the teaching how to like grow and abiding, um, has been significant for students. Um, I think with that on the formational side, it's been important to learn that, um, help them learn that the the enemy also speaks too. And so not every thought that they hear in their head originates in them. And that's why it's important. That's one helpful step for knowing how God speaks. Um, but if, on the flip side of that, as they hear lots of condemnation and accusation or guilt, or just feeling like they can never be enough or um, feeling like they um, can never measure up to be a good Christian or be used by God to help them see that like Okay, there, there's some noise there. There's that. That's the voice of the enemy. Um, that's not mm. your original thought. That's the enemy's thought coming in and trying to infiltrate the way you think. Then it's like, oh, okay. So there's ways to like take care of that too. So the role of spiritual warfare has been significant in that as well. Mm. Um, I remember when I just this past semester when I ta- did a teaching on listening to God, um, there was a student who afterwards said that he had no idea that. He could possibly just be hearing the voice of the enemy because he said he'd been so ridden with um, just guilt and shame mm-hmm. that he thought it was his own own stuff, and since then has been just growing and pursuing the Holy Spirit, walking in new le- levels of freedom because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, so, so that's kind of what that's looked like, and you know, I think um, on the missional side of it, you know. Jesus talks about, like in Mark 4, he said, and he says this, and it appears in the other gospels as well, but Jesus says, pay attention to how you hear, um, for uh, as you listen, uh, the more understanding will be given, but even if you're not listening, even what understanding you have will be taken away. Mm -hmm. And so um, as we are listening to God about where to disciple, who to disciple, uh, who to invest in. Um, we've got to be pay attention, paying attention to how we hear um, because the Lord could be speaking to people already um, and they just need someone to come and help them understand how God is speaking. And so we've got to be listening not only to the, the what and the, the what of what God is speaking but the how, how is he speaking, mm-hmm. You know, how is he leading um, uh, and vice versa. So um, that's kind of a little bit of what that's looked like for us on a practical level.
0: I just was writing notes down and thinking through, as you talked about mindset, momentum, movement, living a little bit more into the mindset. I'm not going to say word for word what you said because I was just trying to write notes, and so hopefully I got close, but you were saying that you kind of woke up to we're all called to be disciple makers and that God cares for the nations and that I had to grow in listening to the Holy Spirit. And then the student didn't know that there could be the voice of the enemy speaking into his mind and we have to learn how and then just i don't know now i'm kind of pointing this back to myself and saying like that's the mindset shift is all those things that you just said most people are sitting in churches they don't ever make that shift hmm. we're not teaching that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i
0: mean if we were if we were emphasizing that then maybe we would wake up to it more people would wake up to it clearly we're emphasizing something else, you know? And and mm-hmm. that's like, you know, you asked me the other day, it's like, why aren't we seeing disciple-making movements here? Maybe because we're not talking about them. Yeah. Maybe because we're not making shifts into God cares for the nations. But it's, I mean, we do talk about those things. I don't want to diminish that. I guess, you know, I guess part of me wants to say, like, what was, or ask the question, what was the mind, like, do you, were there moments where it was like, man, I woke up into this, or... Is it this gradual thing or
1: yeah, I think it was um I would say both and, right? <laughs> there were, I can identify moments where there was a shift, but then big picture it's just been something that God's been doing. Um I think all of it has happened in the context of being discipled. So if someone hadn't intentionally like reached out to me and, and mm-hmm. walked through scriptures with with me and helped see me see the big themes of God. Um, from the very beginning to the very end desiring to be made known among the nations. Like, I don't think I would have learned that if someone hadn't like been discipling me. Um, the same thing with reading scripture and seeing, you know, the theme of all of us, you know, being called to be fruitful and to multiply, you know, to be image bearers who multiply image bearers, um, um, through Jesus, anyone can do that now. Right. And so, um, it, it happened in the context of discipleship of being poured into in a small group where where that where those aha moments were able to happen for me.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Just bringing that up, emphasizing that. You don't just wake up to it. Paul gave it to Timothy. Timothy gave it to other reliable people who passed it on to others. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess that's the critical point that we keep talking about is passing it on. I, was wanted, I wanted to dive deeper into something
2: that you said, <clears throat> that you started to unpack a little bit, because I think this is... we fail so often, I think, especially kind of apostolic people, like people who are stirring others to to jump in on mission and to go 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 like I think the way that we fail so often is that we just like it's all about the fruit it's all about the action of going it's all about the multiplication it's all about I mean fill in the blank of whatever measurable fruit that we can see and we and I've seen this so many times right because um, I'm I'm kind of an apostolic leader myself and so like I see the failings of other people right who I've kind of uh, wanted to emulate or walk after and I and I see kind of ministries just flame out right just like on fire because they're just they're not doing what you said that like both that both sides of the Mm -hmm. token where it's like man you care for the soul Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know teach Mm -hmm. people to abide to rest in jesus that all fruit that you're gonna see is a direct result of remaining in the Mm -hmm. father actually if you remain in the father we're promised to see fruit and we are Mm -hmm. promised not to see fruit if we don't remain in the father yet weirdos like myself Mm -hmm. That are just like going all out. Like we just don't we don't learn that. I want to know just like how have you approached that kind of maybe even even personally, or um, with your with students. It's like man, because I know I know this is a really long intro to the question, but I know that with college students in particular, because I'm helping lead a team of college students as well. That if you don't push them in mission, they're not gonna do it. They want, they love community. I don't think that's just college students. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's everyone, but you know, like, um, we see it so much in college kids because they just, they love community. Community is such a high value. Well, that's probably such a
0: high value Mm -hmm. because they've been a part of a family. Many of them, I'm not saying that's true across the board. Many of them have been a part of a family and for the first time they have to go create their own family. Mm. So they get to go create a family and they're filling in roles that suddenly they're missing yeah totally and i'm not an expert on this i'm just st- stabbing in the dark but anyway yeah finish what you're saying
2: no i mean i think that's a good point where there, there's they see even in scripture the beauty of community all right and you're never gonna i don't know if this has been your experience but my experience is like man college kids love talking about the beauty of community and i did too and it's amazing and it's like, but man, what about all those people who don't know that type of community? Or what about all these people who don't yet know Jesus and that fulfillment, right? And so it's like, I want to push them, but I don't want to like coerce them and I don't want to shame them, you know? And so you and I have talked about that a little bit on the ground, like how do we live into both of these realities and something like a college ministry?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, definitely, yeah, um, resonate with that. And um, kind of going back to where you are with what you were saying about kind of, you know, uh, you know, wanting to see the fruit and uh, kind of as an apostolic kind of person, that's like just all that you're pursuing and, and, and it's easy to, um, and I think, um, something as I've seen with, with college students in my setting is like, I've wanted to train everyone. (laughs) Like, let me just Mm -hmm. train everyone and everyone's going to do this. And, um, because it's so, um, because like, it's just going to happen. It worked for me. It's going to work for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, to some extent, yes, I think seeing pace in students there, uh, there, there are students that I've, you know, discipled that are very similar to you, Corey, with the, the kind of like just the ability to start new things and, and carry a vision forward. And, and it's the pace at which they decide, they are discipled and multiply is much faster than a lot of students that, um, just aren't gifted in that way or aren't wired in that way or are have some like emotional trauma that they got to work through first before they can, Mm. before they can get there. And so um, with that, I've had to learn um, some about um, like investing in the few, um, like, you know, investing in the ones who are the most faithful and available and teachable um, and as I invest in them um, like they they, they will like carry it further. Um, mm. and so it's, it's felt counterintuitive, um, because I like, even if, you know, a majority of uh, whether it's college students or, or other Christians that just like to stay where they are, there are those out there that are open to going further. And, um, and I think if we find mm. them in, and uh, foreign to them, um, with this kind of vision, um, then like, we'll see fruit come. Um, we'll mm-hmm. see fruit, fruit come. Do that, um, that is such yeah. a
2: huge movement concept. I don't know if we've talked about it much on this podcast yet. Um, is that invest in the few to reach the many concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm even thinking of the, you know, parable of the sower, and you got these different environments where you throw the seed and what defines the last one, is that it multiplies, right? 50, 100, 500 fold or whatever the numbers are. Um, and that is such a significant thing because I mean I, I think about it just to, to go to another gardening analogy. It's like <clears throat> I could spend all my time if I'm, let's say I'm, uh, man, I really wish I had any kind of gardening background to make this analogy more robust. But let's say I'm, uh, I'm growing some tomatoes, right? And I love me some mm-hmm. tomatoes. And I'm just gonna like spend all my time on this one plant that it's like, I know, I know, just like, ugh, just bear some fruit, right, and I'm staring at this thing, I'm staring, I'm pouring all my time, my energy, in the watering, and, and uh, whatever else you do to help a plant grow, and then surrounding that might be just fields of fruit that's ripe, that if I just like shift my eyes a little bit, right, you're going to see fruit, and you're going to know where to go, right, and I feel like we so often, and probably mostly because out of good intentions, we're just, we probably don't let people go as fast as we should right people who and they may not even have any kind of hunger for god but we are like we want it so bad or we're whatever fill in the blank that maybe as catalytic missionaries we need to like really have our eyes on the hungry and the teachable and the hungry and the teachable the ones that will actually respond in obedience and go um, are the ones who are going to produce fruit 10 20 50 times Um, and that's so hard to do, man. That's so, especially for like shepherd minded people who, you know, quote unquote, love others. Right. That's like, I know so much harder for like everyday missionaries.
1: And in a college campus on a campus setting, um, it is so, uh, transient. And so it's like every semester is totally different. And so where a student is one semester, the next semester, they'll be in a totally different place, whether it's, you know, they weren't open to being discipled or weren't open at all to like totally being open and like, like growing like crazy or even the flip side, um, where there have been students that have just been, um, doing amazing stuff on campus one semester, but then their semester changes and all of a sudden they have an internship where they're not available anymore, you know? And so, um, I think that's why like pace and realizing that everybody has got a different pace, um, is like so important, especially, um, for those that they just need some extra, just need extra love and care. And that's the like shepherd and me coming out. Right. <laughs> like, um, but, um, there it change it at least with college students, it just, because of the semester setting, it just changes so often where, where people are one semester is totally different than another semester.
2: I feel like we can play the long game in neighborhoods. We can play the long game in networks. Um, Uh, and college students, you just, yeah, you don't have that, that time. That's, that's been our, our experience as well. But I'm also like, and you and I've talked about this. I'm also convinced that college setting is as ripe for movement as almost any setting because of the networks, right? Like really, I mean, in the end, movements are about social networking and like people who know people who know people, right? That's how you see multiplication. It it flows through that. Mm -hmm. Um, but man, yeah, it's like how do you how do you train, launch, see groups, get communities started, disciple making, multiplication, and then it's like, oh, nope. Christmas break. Oh yeah, crap, spring break. <laughs> no. And spring break, I mean, it's the end of the year at that point. You're not implementing new things. And so it's definitely we know that struggle in a college setting. And so thank you for for kind of going before us and uh, and and figuring it all figuring it all out so that you can come back and because Brian Brian and I actually um, we share this kind of passion with you is that we both love college kids yeah. like if I'm just gonna choose stu- like a group of people to be around hmm. it's like man I just I love college kids they're like all the fun of a kid. But you get the benefits of an adult and you get the like conversation that's a little bit deeper and, and but you get the hunger of innocence. I just love college college ministry. Yeah, I've um, given
0: you this before, but my assessment on it is that college students are old enough that they've lost somebody, but they still don't think it can happen to them. like it's somebody close enough that it was a deep wound, but they're so, so you they still don't think it can happen to them. so you get like enough sort of caution that they start thinking differently about life, but there's still enough reckless abandon that, you know, they're just going to do stupid things, (laughs) which which you have to deal with.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: so, okay. So in a second, I'd love to hear just like a story, something that you've kind of been a part of, um, with some students or something that's like encouraging. So as you're thinking of a good one, I'm going to share something that we've experienced this past, uh, year, and I'm going to try to be really general cause I don't want to throw out names. Um, but the, we had a student who was a senior, um, in the, the college that I'm hanging out with and, uh, man, they were really started taking seriously this idea of prayer, right? So he was an RA and he, he really felt, okay, this dorm floor is where God has called me, right? And uh, and I'm going to take it seriously. I'm just going to pray a lot. So he met with a leader, and they just prayed every week. And they really felt like there was one particular person that God highlighted that who, would, who was essentially the person of peace on the floor. Well, this person was the, if he were to make a list of the furthest from God, there's no way they'd ever be interested. That's just not going to happen. It was this person. Um and this person, you know, like had some identified as a different gender, had a lot of wounds, you know, um, in the past with the church. And um, but man, every day this RA praying or praying desperately for him. And then one day uh, the guy that they were praying for is sitting um, somewhere at work or something. And all of a sudden he gets this amazing rush. And it's like and he said he's just new that God said that God loves him, and that this RA, the one that's praying, also loves him. I mean, he just knew it. He's like he he described like this feeling. All like like, and he goes up to him. And he goes, "Hey, I think I have a Jesus question for you." And the RA is, you know, like in his mind, he's like, "It's happening," you know, like he's desperately praying for this. And um, and all of a sudden, so this guy goes, he tells the story, and then he looks at the RA and goes, "Is that something that God would do?" And he's like, yes! And that opened up um, an incredible story that happened the rest of the semester where this person was doing like DBSs like every day gathering all the people who would never be going to the, the college campus ministry, um, right. freaking out all the other Christians because they're like, this person's leading the Bible studies in the floor. You're right. And it's like all these things that are, they're freaking people out. Um, and then Corona hit and uh, that story didn't, maybe did hadn't flesh itself out like it would have. Um, but that that was like enough fruit for us to be like, okay, yeah, this is a God thing. We want to press into this, all the failures and all the other things that we haven't quite figured out. That story was enough. To push us forward, um, and so not to like not to have story comparison time, Becca. But um, I think I think stories are like drive us so much more than like tactics and trainings. And so I just don't know if there's something you could share, kind of from Evansville in your context, that would be encouraging.
1: Yeah, I mean there are lots of stories. Um, a cool thing where we've seen uh, just a little like s- seen a little bit of multiplication happen uh, over time has been was through, um, a student who, uh, when she came to college, she, uh, she grew up in a, uh, without Christian parents, she came to Christ in high school. Um, her parents even really kind of restricted her from being able to pursue a church community while she was still in high school. And so coming to college was really her first opportunity to, um, grow, uh, openly as a believer and, um, through her and through discipling her um, over the past, she's a grad student now, so she's been here for six years. Over the past um, six years, um, we've seen her um, um, just say yes to Jesus in all kinds of ways, um, through baptism, through um, just obedience and discipleship to where like her stream right now is uh, like to the fourth generation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think about anything. yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, the third generation is now has a fourth like group with mm-hmm. that they're working with. So um, that's been uh, that's not the, necessarily the norm for every story mm-hmm. that we have. Um, that has been a unique thing, but I think it's just been really just through that, just sharing the um, um, uh, or just seeing evidence of like people own the vision and pass it on to others. Um, has been really cool. Now, I will say, and and I I try to be very transparent about this um, because I don't want to make it look like I've got all the answers um, and um, have been learning a lot as well. Um, Because we're an established ministry um, and and kind of operate in that just organizational structure, and that's what people are familiar with, the primary students that we're working with are already believers. And um, through that and through trying to mobilize them to go out to other people, it has, um, you know, because the whole vision has been to go to those who don't yet know Jesus and help them discover Jesus. But through oh, just over the years, um, just recognizing the kind of hybrid structure that we operate in right now, um, it has, it, the what we've seen uh, as students go out, um, most of the students that they've been discipling, or even as the generations come gone down, have been primarily believers or some nominal background that's uh, have been um, engaged, like that, people are being in, like engaged with. Um, we've seen people grow, go from being nominal Christians to pursuing Jesus a hundred percent. But most of the students we work with have come from that kind of a background, and, and we're trying to grow and figure out how do we how do we mobilize students even more to move beyond um, their networks, which seem to be primarily other Christians of some or, or having some or people have, having some background of faith or some uh, cultural background of. Uh, religion to those who just have none at all. Mm. Um, so I say that just to, to share like a cool thing that we see happening. And then another thing where we're still really trying to trying to figure figure out and grow, grow in. Totally.
0: Yeah. I don't think that there's anything uh, I want to say, I want to immediately say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I wanted to preface that statement, but I couldn't think of the preface till after I'd said that <laughs> statement is just going back to that conversation with Joe Reed, where you know, he makes this sort of mic drop moment of this ain't your movement, son. Um, and he was sort of pushing back on You can us. picture Joe saying that, right?
2: Yeah. This ain't your movement, son.
0: <laughs> he was sort of pushing back on us with, you know, stop measuring forms, stop worrying about all these black and white sort of definitions and things that you count. And I was just having a conversation with one, one of our teammates before I came in today of just... Uh, he had somebody pushing back on him of like, you know, you're talking about catalyzing believers in a disciple-making movement, and that did not count. And it was like, that counts. <laughs> it's like we 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 get so worried about, and don't get me wrong, I want people that don't know Jesus and don't know how much they matter to Him to know that, but I also think people that are following Jesus, just like those people, are really on a continuum. There's not. I'm in or I'm out. That's the way I grew up, very black and white. But we're on this continuum, and it's just as important to move. Like what we want is people that don't know Jesus to move a step closer to Jesus. But we also want people that know Jesus to move a step closer to Jesus. There's <laughs> yeah. not like a, you know, I'm in, I'm good. You know, <laughs> exactly so right. to me, disciple-making movement should be just, it should be about um, measuring the growth of all those that are moving towards Jesus, which means some of them won't even know it, and some of them just barely know it. Mm. And even me, who I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years now, or more, almost 30. You know, it's like... why <laughs> you're so old. <laughs> Shut up. That's amazing. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, that's a... I mean, even this morning, just the depth of my conversation with Jesus, it's like, I wasn't there yesterday. You know, and like that, that counts. So I know that really wasn't the point of where we were going or where you were going, but it's like, (laughs) I I just want to put this stuff off the table of, you know, what matters, what counts, what doesn't and just say, it's like it, it all, it all counts. Everything's in.
2: And I feel like that is actually kind of knowing you, Becca, that's, that's your heart where it's like, I mean, I think so often we, one of our, another one of our big failures in this conversation of of seeing really a lot of multiplication is that we only measure multiplication there are certain streams where we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the generations and we talk about all this stuff and it almost becomes this like comparison and um and I think I know that you were I know you got frustrated with that you know and like and I wasn't quite as deep into those conversations probably as, as you were and it's like it's like man that that is enough to man, make me want to walk away, you know, from like this for a while. If, if this, if all we're going to talk about is a metrics, you know, and, and I, I got to share these stories of what God, how God is transforming then like, man, you know, so I, and I really appreciate what you bring to the table reminding us that it's not just about these numbers, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. That's, um, that's something I've, I've, I've grown a lot in, um, in, uh, uh, a phrase that I keep going back to that um, I've learned from the house church movement in Tampa. That's happen- not a uh, Tampa underground, but another house church movement that's happening there is um, just the the fact that we take care of the depth and God takes care of the breadth. Right. Mm. And so um, uh, as, as we invest deeply in our relationship with Jesus and listening and abiding, and, and as we inv- invest deeply in the few that God has allowed us to invest in, like he will take care of the breadth of everything else. Mm we can trust him with that. Um, but when we put multiplication above Jesus, we've messed it up.
0: <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Do you have any kind of specific tools that you're using to kind of teach the depth? Or you've mentioned hearing the voice of God and growing in, you know, some of, we would use that language of more of the supernatural ways. Like what are things that you're doing to teach these students? You know, grow in the supernatural, grow in how you hear and respond in obedience.
1: A lot of it comes um, just through some teaching that we do. As far as like tools, um, we uh, well, I mean, it's the like a simple, the simple like prayer wheel, right? Where it's the 12 increments and you, you know, pray through those and pray in an hour. One of those increments is about listening. And so I will like use that and give some more practical steps for people to like grow deeper in listening. But that's just been a simple take a general tool to use to be able to speak more specifically into. Um, I think um, what I'm learning right now is um, uh, the way that more than like having a tool uh, to help people grow is uh, practice. And so we do a lot of listening and imaginative prayers uh, and creative Mm -hmm. prayers where um, it it, uh, hits on people's ability to, to just to listen. And um, to, you know, um, just in in their, through their imagination, just to picture Jesus in front of them. And if he was in front of them, what would he say? And just like those kinds of things, that's been a very, very powerful tool uh, or practice um, that has allowed students to, uh, for many of them, say like, wow, like I've never experienced something like that before. Um, so creating opportunities for them to practice has been been helpful. Um, we, you um, I emphasize a lot to help people learn, like identity um, in Christ and how to hear what He says. Um, there's a list of scriptures in the book uh, "Victory Over the Darkness" by Neil T. Anderson, where it says like who I am in Christ, and it's just like, I mean, it's dozens of verses. And uh, I'll give, we have them all listed out, and we give them to the students when we're talking about being a disciple of Jesus means that we live in in the we live freely in the identity of Jesus. So here's a practice. Here's these lists of who God says you are. You know. In the morning and the evening for the next week, just sit and pray through these and let God expose anything that seems out of line and let him redirect in, uh, you under this this um, this identity of who he is. So I'd say those are kind of the, some of the practices and maybe a couple tools that we use to help people go deeper.
2: Yeah, that's so good. Some of the big things I really wanted to hear you talk about that uh, we've already touched on, you know, is kind of that like joining the Holy Spirit where He's at work concept. Let the, 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 we, we dive into the depth. We let the breadth be the work of the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit's really the work in all of those things. Um, hmm. I mean, for, for me, when I think of depth, I'm thinking of obedience, you know, like I, that's the, the most, uh, how I define deep quote unquote, deep is not intellectually stimulating. It's, are you actually doing what Jesus is telling you to do? Um, and so if we just redefine deep from, you know, what's what are you actually responding to the voice of Jesus with, man, think about, think about how we would think differently, <laughs> you know, in our mm-hmm. discipleship efforts. Um, and, but it's really hard when, you, when you're wanting to push growth and multiplication and all those things it's hard to it's hard to remember right that that is that's god's job not ours so it's just a it's a good reminder i think for me maybe to just kind of uh allow you to speak into us and kansas city you know we got a bunch of missionaries and we've got a bunch of groups and we've got these micro churches that have emerged um and it's like, man, what would you say? What's like your your thing? It's like, hey, your encouragement or, you know, that, that thing that you would say, all right, Kansas City, remember this, do this. So Brian and I are just going to sit here with arms wide open to
0: receive this. While you sit with that for just one second, know that we do this with everybody. So we think this is a really important kind of moment for what we're giving to people that are listening is there are other people that have locked arms with us you know, in a in a spiritual way. The people listening to this may never see your face or know you, but wherever you are, you're about the same work that we are. And so there is something um, that the Spirit does in connecting us in ways that the physical presence can't do. You know, He unites our souls. So we just invite everybody to kind of speak a word over the underground so that our people say, yeah. I'm with you, Jesus. And I'm with these people wherever they are in the world.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's super cool. No, I'm like, yeah, just really thankful to be here with you guys. And, um, as Corey has shared about Casey underground, I've just been really, um, thankful and really, um, encouraged by, by all that is happening in in all the different pockets and all the different affinity groups. It's just amazing. And I think, um, I am I am encouraged and inspired to know that there are brothers and sisters um, uh, in Kansas City that want to see uh, Jesus uh, known as much as I do, and not only did like do they want to see him known, they also want to encounter him and experience him for them for, them, for themselves. And so um, I would say uh, just as as everyone is um, just pursuing Jesus and pursuing discipleship in whatever forms. There, uh they are, I think, something that's been uh, sticking with me recently. It kind of goes back to the concept of listening. Um, and when Jesus, uh, uh, and this is in Mark 2, when he gives the parable of a sower, something that he says after he he walks through, you know, all the different seeds the disciples are like, so what is, you know, we want to know what this means. And um, he tells them that they are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom uh, of God. Um, but he uses parables to teach everyone um and so that's, and so then he goes on to talk about how that's why, you know, some people who are outside of the kingdom right now, that's why they hear, but they don't understand, um, or they listen, but they don't do anything about it. And um, I think what has, as I've read that recently, I've been encouraged by the fact that one, that we're, uh, because we're a part of Jesus' kingdom, we're allowed to know the secrets of the kingdom. And so um, but the cool thing is, is that Jesus is talking to outsiders still, even today, right? Um, mm-hmm. That he is, he, he's doing it. Um, he uh, just teaches in a way where he's given us the secrets to help others understand. And yeah. so I would just say, just to be encouraged that as uh, y'all are multiplying and growing in and taking the gospel to the least, the last and the lost, just be encouraged and know that like Jesus is already talking to people and you you have all that you need in Jesus to help others discover the ways that God might already be talking to them. Um and that's like just the cool thing that we get to be a part of. I love it. I love it. It gets me really excited. Preach it.
0: Yeah. That's good.
2: Uh, well, thanks my friend. Thanks for uh for joining us. I we got a little bit of um okay, yeah, you're in Indiana, but we got a little bit of your your Texas y'all there. Um and that got Brian pretty pumped up, you know. It's like he's like finally Finally, people speak my language. It's, it's yeah, so bad at y'all. that. It's so bad at that. Um, Becca, you're awesome. Thank you for for joining us, enlightening us. And thank you for talking about college ministry. We haven't talked a lot about that. We love college kids. Um, and God is going to do a mighty work in this next generation of college kids, I'm telling you, because they know what it means to disciple uh, people who don't have church backgrounds, who didn't grow up in this, right there. Uh, that's a generation that knows what it means to be unchristian. So God's going to be doing something mighty. So your work is not in vain, my friend. Um, keep learning, keep teaching the rest of us that we're trying to figure out how to do this. Um, yeah. And we just appreciate you joining us.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: well, thank you again for having me. It's nice to meet you, Brian. Yeah, and- good to meet you. Yeah, again, very just like humbled that you would invite me to come be a part of this. So really thankful for you guys and for what y'all are doing, for sure. Love hearing about it.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to The Underground Podcast. We hope it's either been an encouragement to you or created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect so we can learn about what you're doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, We'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.